Thank you, Dan and Parker and instrumentalists and choir for glorious worship today. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 17, 17 and stay there. We'll be looking at four different proverbial passages, words from the wise sage on how to build our, our friendships. We all need friendships, don't we? A listening ear, a hug, someone who gets us up when life takes us down, when the journey is just too much. You know, people are actually making a living today hugging people. Several companies now employ freelance huggers who charge between $60 and $80 an hour for purely platonic hugs. So you might want to apply for that job, hug for $80. Or you can even rent a friend if you don't want to hug, but you just need a friend. I'm happy to say you can get that for $23 an hour. There's a website called Rent-A-Friend that has 500,000 friends you can choose from that if you'll pay them $23 an hour, he will be, she will be your friend. This phenomenon of renting friends or buying friendships is sort of new to our culture. It's a sign of our times. In 1980, 20% of Americans said that they were lonely. Today, that number has doubled to 40% of Americans now say that they are isolated and lonely and without friends. We are a lonely people living hurried lives. Take a snapshot of everyday, ordinary life, and you see people rushing back and forth between the streets, not really paying attention to each other day by day and week by week and month by month, people never really sharing anything that matters with another, never sharing their thoughts, their feelings, their fears, their joys, or their concerns, just rushing by in life. We are missing the intimacy of true friendship. Friendship is one of the greatest gifts of life. Without friendship, our lives would be impossibly impoverished. Think about how different your life would be if certain persons or a certain person had not come your way. Not only would your history be different, but you would be different. Our friends shape who we are. They mold our character. They influence our attitudes and our values and our perceptions. They challenge us. They change us. They teach us not to take ourselves too seriously, and they give us hope. Our friends see our most promising possibilities, the true image of God within us. And they help shape us into that image, bringing it to a completion. Aristotle once said, without friendship, no one would choose to do life, even if they had all other good things. Without friendships, no one would choose to do life, even if he had all other good things. Things. Paul J. Waddell, professor at St. Norbert College, says that friendship is an art. Listen to these astounding words. 
All of us have a natural need for friends, but none of us naturally knows what it means to be a good friend. All of us have a natural need for friends, but none of us naturally knows what it means to be a good friend. What some people call friendships aren't really friendships at all, are they? It might be a relationship. It might be manipulative. It might be abusive. For example, the professor said that he had a student one time writing an essay on friendship, and in it she wrote, my boyfriend is my best friend. He always tells me when I'm wrong. Is that really a good friendship? Will she find there the love, care, and concern that will help her be her best self and know happiness? Or sometimes our friendships are at the surface level like a Facebook friend. Is a Facebook friend a real friend? I know a young man who tried to accumulate all the Facebook friends he possibly could. While in college, he and his roommates had a contest with his friends to see who could stockpile the very most Facebook friends. And in his haste to add new friends, a cute face came across his computer, and now they're more than Facebook friends. I recently performed their wedding. But in most cases, are Facebook friends the ones you really go to when you hurt? Ultimately, isn't our friendship with God lived out in our friendship with others? It was God's original creation insight that it is not good for man to be alone. We need companionship. We need friends. If our souls are not to shrivel. We all long for that true friend, do we not? For God knows us infinitely better than we know ourselves. Indeed, God knows everything about us, and he loves us and accepts us. To worship God as you do this morning is to be found out by God, and through worship we, free, we are free to know ourselves as we truly are, sinful and broken and incomplete, but nonetheless perfectly loved. We long for that one who knows us inside out, and God does. We long for someone to know all there is about us, the shameful as well as the flattering, and still love us. The church is the befriending community of the befriending God. The church is the befriending community of the befriending God. Oh, there's a lot of characteristics I could lay out today for good friendships, love and trust and a sense of humor and care and concern and loyalty and truthfulness and affection and patience and forgiveness. There's no single exhaustive list, and you would add to whatever I would put forth. But this morning, I want us to look in God's Word what the proverbial sage has to say and give you four foundations for godly friendship. Four foundations for godly friendship. The first one comes in Proverbs 17, 17. Real friends respond. Real friends respond. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
Friendship is a basic desire within us all. The need for friendship is not something that we can create or cultivate, is not something that we can escape. Our desire for good friends is like our desire for food and drink and clothing and shelter. The desire is within us all because sometimes in life, it's like a journey through a jungle and the ride down the river is rough and life is hard. And none of us can handle it alone. Real friends respond. Sometimes we need to be rescued. Sometimes we need someone to lean on. Sometimes we need someone to, to take our hand and to guide us along when our luck runs out. That's what friends do. In moments of chaos and confusion and suffering and loss in our lives, they don't want us to be alone. They want to be with us to take us through our trials and tribulations. True friends are those who readily share in our suffering and aren't afraid to be with us when we mourn. They see us through the times of failure and are not ashamed to stand by us when everybody else is judging us. A wise man once said, a friend is the medicine of life. A friend is the medicine of life. A friend is someone who is walking in when everyone else in our life is walking out. A friend is someone who's walking in when everybody else is walking out. False friends, here's the difference, false friends are like shadows. You see them when the sun is shining. But step into the dark and they disappear. A false friend is like a shadow. You see them when the, the sun is shining, but take one step into the darkness and they disappear. I can't tell you how many times in the throes of confusion and chaos and suffering, when I go to visit with someone, inevitably they will say it somewhere in the conversation. When hardship, judgment, something comes her way, she will say, there's one thing about this. I found out who my real friends are. There's one thing about this suffering pastor. It's one thing about these dark days of despair when it's not a good thing to be beside me. Now I have discovered who my real intimate friends are. Have you been that kind of friend? Have you been like a shadow? There when the sun is shining but disappear, the darkness comes to your comrade. Greek philosopher once said, true friends visit in prosperity only when invited, but in adversity they come without invitation. Have you been, have I been that kind of friend? Are we the real friend who responds? There's a second thing I want you to see, and that is real friends forgive. 
Real friends forgive. Look at Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates, separates intimate friends. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Life together with friends is impossible without the power of forgiveness. No matter how hard we try to live at peace with one another, even with the best friends in our lives, eventually something's going to come between us, some hurt or disappointment, infidelity, a broken relationship, a broken heart, a terrible mistake, a malicious remark, an unintended slight, a promised betrayed. It happens always, eventually, even between the closest of friends. We hurt, and we get hurt. We're disappointed, and we disappoint. Every single intimate friendship that you have will eventually run aground on the shoals of pettiness or thoughtlessness or even maliciousness. And how we deal with these difficulties in our friendships through forgiveness and reconciliation. If we don't deal with forgiveness and reconciliation, those friendships will end and our lives will be ruled by anger, bitterness, and resentment. You cannot live in friendship unless you're willing to forgive. You cannot live in friendship unless you are willing to forgive. Without forgiveness, there is no lifelong friend. The proverbial sage says it this way in verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love. Without forgiveness, we cut ourselves off from life and we grow alienated not only from our friends but from the people that we considered once God's greatest gift to us. We also become alienated from God when we don't forgive our friends and eventually we become alienated from ourselves when we don't forgive our friends. And without forgiveness, we eventually place ourselves in exile on an island. Think about it this way. We are able to live in friendship with God only because he forgave us. You are only able to live in friendship with God because God forgave you. We live from the gift of forgiveness. Have you ever ridden the bumper cars at Wonderland? The last time I went to Wonderland, that was the only ride that I rode. It's my favorite ride. I rode it over and over and over again. It doesn't make me dizzy. It doesn't make me want to throw up. I like it. The last time I went there, I walked in, and they used to be to the front of the park, and they weren't there. I nearly panicked. And then I discovered they'd moved them a little deeper into the park. I hope that's not because they're not as popular as they once were, because they're my number one ride. Sometimes when I, I ride the bumper cars at Wonderland, I want to smash you and bash you and trash you. I'm not trying to make friends. I'm trying to get out some frustration. And, but there's other times. 
There's another way to do the bumper cars. Sometimes I try to see if I can make contact with no one. You ever do that? Get in the bumper cars and decide you're not going to hit anybody, but you're going to be fast enough and sly enough that no one is going to hit you. I've never made it. There's always that smart aleck kid. You look up and here he comes. And you've gone for three quarters of the ride and touched no one else. I've even tried hiding in the corner and acting like my car is broken. It doesn't matter. Somewhere, someone, boom, whiplash. And there you are. No matter how hard I try to not have collisions on the bumper cars in Wonderland, Inevitably, there's the bang, the bump, the crash. No matter how hard you try in your friendships to never have that collision of relationship, to never have that frustration or that disappointment or that hurt, inevitably, sometimes in your relationships, you're going to bump into each other. You're going to have that crash. Everyday life sets us up for the inevitable collision with our friends. Judy Logue, in a book entitled Forgiving the People You Love to Hate, says we must face our enemies, the enemies of our hearts, because our wounds and hurts and resentments can imprison us to the bitterness if we do not open them to forgiveness. Untouched by the grace of forgiveness, our hurts turn to hate. Untouched by the grace of forgiveness, our hurts turn to hate and grow to be the master of our lives. And it's not so much that we have resentments anymore. It is that our resentments have us at the end of the story. What hurt is keeping you from being free? What old disappointments do you keep revisiting? Or whom do you love to hate? Sometimes we're like swine returning to the mud. We like to wallow in our old hurts with our friends, and we keep revisiting those old hurts to make them fresh. And sometimes the resentment is hard and deep, and sometimes they are so familiar to us, we can't imagine our identity without being hurt. Do you enjoy sometimes the same old stories of betrayal and disappointment over and over again as you continually remind your friends of how they let you down and you wonder why those friendships die? Forgiveness in our friendships makes change possible, but only if we really want to change. Forgiveness carries with it this promise of healing and new life for relationships damaged by thoughtlessness and neglect. When you refuse to forgive, you close yourself off from grace. That's God's word. When you refuse to forgive someone else, you close yourself off from God's grace. In the history of every single friendship that's ever been amongst humanity on planet Earth, there are moments when that relationship is characterized more by animosity than by benevolence and more by bitterness than by peace. And every friendship you have will eventually die if you don't learn the power of forgiveness. 
The great pulpiteer Henry Ward Beecher said, keep a fair-sized cemetery in your backyard in which to bury the faults of your friends. Keep a fair-sized cemetery in the backyard in which to bury the faults of your friends. There's a third thing I want you to see. Real friends keep quiet. Proverbs 16, 28. Turn to, to Proverbs 16, 28. Real friends keep quiet. A perverse friend, a perverse man spreads strife. A slanderer separates intimate friends. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Having a friend will leave you vulnerable because friends confide in each other and they share dreams and worries and hopes and fears of their hearts and their confidences. And, and confidence literally means to have the faith in another and that's the essence of an essential friendship. Friendship means a gradual unveiling of the self to another. And all of us want someone to know us really close and absolutely completely. For the other person to know our spirit and our soul. And there's a tremendous vulnerability in letting a friend that close. Friendship is like an ongoing conversation. But be careful. As you learn things about your friends, don't use that knowledge for your own good or for your own power. Never use what you learn in friendships for your own good or for your own power. Someone might say, well, my friends know me inside and out. Yes, they do. But that knowledge is a sacred trust for which we are morally accountable to our friend and to God. We must use what a friend reveals about himself to us only to help him and never to hurt him or advance ourselves. Friends are open with us because they are trusting us with the most sacred of all, trust. You ever been part of a group of three friends and one of the friends is gone and the, the third party begins to tear down the ones that's missing and you enjoy it for about 60 seconds and then you wonder, when I'm not here, what does she say about me? I wonder. In speaking of someone's failures of the past and repeating those sorts of secret friendships, we try to lock someone into their failure. Building friendships means we will not participate, however tempting it is, in tearing our brother or sister down. It's hard, though, isn't it? All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a group, and if we let out what we knew, we would be, have all the attention, would be in the moment of power because we would be in the know, and it's there, and it's tempting for it to come up, and we must not. We must not. Here's a fourth and final thing I want to say. Real friends draw you to discipleship. Real friends draw you to discipleship. Proverbs 27, 6. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. <laughs> Written so long before Judas 
But wow. Our friends are not here to entertain us. True friends do not flatter us. They're here to draw us into discipleship, into Christ-likeness. The reality is that none of us is really good at self-perception. I am terrible at self-perception. And sometimes our friends see us much better than we see ourselves. And they want the best for us. And they use the knowledge that they see or they learn about us to make us, to call us, to be more like the Christ. Augustine taught that friendships were brought about by God. His theory was this, that you have the friends you have in your life because God intended them to be there. He called them to be there. They're the tools that he has selected to shape you into Christ-likeness. Have you ever wondered about that special person in your life that of all the human beings on planet Earth, of all the different times and epochs, that your life has collided with his life or your life has collided with her life in such a way that you shape each other and you change each other? It's no chance. It's the workings of the Maker. Perhaps we're reminded of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? You see, our, our love for friends is not a competition of our love for God. We, we are to both love God and our neighbor. In fact, it's in friendship that we really do love God. We find the place where our love for God and our love for neighbor come together in this thing called friends. The purpose of our, our friendship is to be supportive and kind and encouraging, but not to make us just feel good about ourselves. The writer of Proverbs is saying, your enemy might tell you all the good things about you, but a real friend is going to be frank at times. How could you possibly really love somebody and watch her walking in disaster and keep your mouth shut? You could not. You're about to destroy your life. You're walking on thin ice. You're, about, you're stepping into dangerous waters. Can I ask you to rethink your decision? Real friends call us into discipleship. So what kind of friend have you been? The professor said we all want good friends, but naturally we don't know what it means to be a good friend. Have you been the kind of friend that responds, that walks in when everybody else is walking out? Have you given the forgiveness that God has bestowed upon you? Have you bestowed that on your friends? Not reminding them of their failures, the times they've disappointed you? Have you been quiet and kept confidence when your friend has trusted you with the very secrets of her soul? Have you kept your mouth shut? And have you refused to flatter a friend, but have you had the courage to say, whoa, 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 I love you enough to have this difficult conversation? 
What kind of friend have you been? Scripture tells us there is a friend who is closer than a brother. Let us pray. God, thank you for bringing those special someones or someone into our life that we can't imagine life without. Give us the ability to be a graceful and gracious friend. And God, I realize that whether on television or here in this room, there's someone who doesn't have that special friend who finds himself or herself at that place of loneliness. And I pray that in your providence and your will and your way, you will bring that someone or someones into his life or her life to be your molding presence. Fathers, a way in which the church is the befriending community of the befriending God, and it is here that we love each other and care for each other and call each other in discipleship and forgive each other and refuse to speak ill of each other. And we respond when Wangamangas hurts. Maybe there's someone here this morning who feels called to be a part of the friendships and the family at First Baptist Church. I pray today he would come or she would come. Maybe there's someone who indeed needs to make real today that Jesus is a friend. A friend who loves enough to die and care, even cry at the graveside. Give us your grace and your peace. In Christ's name, amen.